0: It's Kings Weekly.
1: Here's your host, Chris Watkins.
0: Welcome in, everybody, to another week of Kings Weekly. I'm your host, Chris Watkins. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. We do this every single Saturday at 11 o'clock. This week we have a full show going until noon. Glad to be here. And uh ladies and gentlemen, it's officially time that we check on our panic meters. The Sacramento Kings have started Owen 4 to start the season. Yeah, Mike is there's there's definitely a lot of Mike Brown yelling going on for sure uh in the Kings locker room these days. Uh Owen 4 start. It's been a big talk both online and offline. I have I have uh, heard many people question, is it time to freak out? Is it time to worry about the own four start? Should we be concerned? Obviously we were promised that this team would be different, uh, that the defense would be good, that this is the team that was promised to, to eventually end the 16 year playoff drought. Uh, And then here they come out and, and they lose four straight and, people have lost their minds. It really, it's, it's, people are fully ready to fire Mike Brown already, or at least bring up the question of was Mike Brown uh, the right coach hired? And, and is it too, you know, is it too early to, to start considering if this thing is, if we should blow it up and should we be one of the, the Victor Wembenyama sweepstake uh, teams? And, if if it wasn't clear by my tone, my answer is no. Like let's it's it's time to relax. It's not time to freak out. We're only 4 games into the season. There's 78 78 more games left to be played. We're not even we're not a 10th, we're not a whatever. I'm terrible at fractions. I couldn't keep going smaller, but you get the point. We are not close to this season being over. There's a lot of basketball left to be played, okay? And the Kings—it might feel like a bailout—but they've played some really, really good teams. The Portland Trailblazers have started off the season as one of the best teams in this league already. I believe they're five and one. Okay, the Memphis Grizzlies, who who gave the Kings their worst defeat of the season, fifteen points. Uh, I believe that was Thursday, right? Was that Thursday? I'm, my memory's already gone. Uh, they they beat the Kings by fifteen. They're four and one, and and looking like a team that. That can definitely compete towards the end of this season. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, obviously, their pedigree speaks for themselves. They're still trying to figure things out in this in this early season, but we saw a good showing from them, and that's that's the type of team that they're trying to trying to be this year. And and uh, you know they, they're they're a darn good team themselves. Uh, I believe they're three and two. The worst team the teams the Kings have played are by record is the Los Angeles Clippers, who are two and three. Uh, they're still, again, struggling, trying to find their way. They have had some inconsistency in their lineup with John Wall out and with Kawhi Leonard out. Uh, but we saw one – I would say the only reason why the Clippers won that game was because Paul George Paul George went scorched earth on us. It, I don't think that the Kings played bad defense against the Clippers or specifically against Paul George. They knew that if the Clippers were going to win that game without Kawhi, without, without John Wall, they were going to need to stop Paul George. And I really think they did a good job. I mean, if you, if you look back at, at the, the defense they were putting on him, they had a hand in his face. They threw countless people at him. He was just an absolute bucket that day, and there was no stopping him. He gave us a 40-piece. Like, he was, he was ready to ball, and he put that team on his back. And, uh, you know, that's why the Clippers are going to be such a good team. They're one of the deepest teams in the league, and they showed exactly why. So, again, the Kings have, have had a very, very tough schedule to start this thing. And I know this kind of sounds crazy, especially when I'm telling you not to panic, but I don't know if it gets worse, but it sure doesn't really get a whole lot better moving forward. Obviously, later today at 3 o'clock, this is, I I forgot to mention, this is kind of like a pre-pre-game show a little bit, because we have uh, pre-game game night with Scott Marsh and Henry Turner here at 1230 on our station, uh, leading you into actual Kings pre-game at 230, uh, game at 3 o'clock today at Golden 1 Center against the Miami Heat, who have also struggled uh, to start this early season, but... That's a team that's that's full of dogs, and and they're gonna look to uh, they're gonna look to get right against the Sacramento Kings team. They see the Kings obviously zero four. Uh, this is this is a get right game for them. They're definitely trying to come in here tonight and and play their best game and and really get things going, especially with the fact that they play the Kings twice here in the next couple games. Uh, so Miami's not going to be easy. They have Miami tonight, then on Monday. The schedule, maybe I don't want to say it opens up, but you have an opportunity to get your first. Not that tonight isn't an opportunity to get your first win, but I think a a it may be an easier matchup if you want to say uh, the Charlotte Charlotte Hornets. I almost called them the Bobcats, who the other night I believe that was last night gave the Orlando Magic their first win of the season. Uh, that's a team that the Kings should definitely look and have that game circled as a game where, you know, if, if things go, don't go well tonight, you kind of need to pick up that game against Charlotte because come Wednesday, guess who you face? The Miami Heat, yet again. Uh, again, not an easy matchup. They play the Orla- at Orlando after that uh, next week, next Saturday. We'll be previewing that game uh, on, on next week's Kings Weekly. Then they play at Golden State Again. Golden State's still trying to figure things out. We've seen what they're capable of. Uh, then they play Cleveland at home. Cleveland's four and one. Obviously, with the addition of of Donovan Mitchell this year, they're they're looking to be one of the contenders in the Eastern Conference. That's not an easy matchup. Then they play the Lakers. We know we know the Lakers are soft this year. We're looking at that game as as a as a yummy, tasty opportunity to get a win. Um, but then again, guess who you play when you come back home on the 13th the golden state warriors uh third time you've played them in in what that would be like their first 8 or 10 games or something like that uh then they play brooklyn who obviously has not started off the season well but has a ton of talent on their roster that's not going to be an easy game at golden one center and that's when the schedule finally kind of opens up a little bit you play the san antonio spurs after that the detroit pistons in the, and the impossibly marvin bagley's return to golden one center Uh, Marvin hasn't played yet so far this year with with a knee injury, but that's something to look forward to. So again, the Kings have some very, very tough matchups here uh, looking ahead, and it's again, it's not going to be easy. They might come out of this stretch with four wins, and again, that's not going to sound great being four and ten, maybe five and ten, Um, but I did some research. Look at me doing, you know, I had some time and I, I did some research, and uh, I I looked at the the in teams from last year and how they started off the season just to see if, you know, if is it already time for us to give up? Do you need to get off to a good start in order to to have a chance in that play in race? Because at this point, I know I think in episode one I said that there is maybe a chance that the Kings be on the higher end of the play in, maybe possibly a six seed, best case scenario. I think at the moment all of those discussions need to be shelved as we're just looking for our first win here. So we'll just talk playing, okay? Uh, the seventh seed last year was the Minnesota Timberwolves, finished off the season 46 and 36, started off the season four and nine. That's a team that the Kings are going to try and emulate this year, kind of in the sense of uh, the Timberwolves the year before last. Uh, we're, we're pretty much in the same position as the Kings, a, t- a perennial 12, 11, 13 seed in the West. Uh, and then really flipped things around last year on its head and and became a 7 seed obviously this year trading for Rudy Gobert taking that next step to kind of be a firm playoff team uh that that's kind of where the Kings are going to try and go this year so Minnesota started 4 and 9 last year the Spurs uh finished started 4 and 9 last year finished off the season the 10 seed with 34 wins uh and then the worst case scenario if we're you know, if, if things seem like they're not going to get any better ever and the Kings only pick up one win, well, guess what? Last season, the New Orleans Pelicans started off the season 1-12, and finished 36-49 and as the 9 seed. Let's hope it doesn't get to that point. Let's hope the Kings can, can get at least more than one win out of this stretch. Again, they play Charlotte, they play Orlando, they play the Lakers, they play San Antonio, they play Detroit, hopefully, they get If they don't get more than one win at that, I'm, I'm probably going to start pressing that panic meter at that point. But um, it to me, I, I don't know if the the West is going to be that low that a 34-win team uh, can, can still make the play in. But boy, I mean, that's, that's a pretty low bar. And well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because I have some more numbers for you. 34 wins is a low bar. It's really not that impressive. If you win 34 games, you should not be throwing any parades. It's really nothing that you should celebrate. Um, But here in Sacramento, it might be something to celebrate. Again, (laughs) I did some research. Sacramento Kings in this 16-year playoff drought, 16 years, only twice have the Kings won 34 or more games in 16 years. I was in 2007-2008, you know, kind of off the fumes of those really good Kings teams. Mike Bibby was still on the roster. I believe Brad Miller was still on the roster. Uh, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Kenny Thomas, that era. Uh, so think about that. 2007-2008. And then the uh, the infamous scores season with under Dave Yeager with Amon Shumpert. And I believe that was Marvin Bagley's rookie year. Uh, and then obviously Dave Yeager was fired uh, going into that offseason. Those are the two times. That the Kings have had more than thirty-four wins in a season. So if the Kings can get thirty-four this year, again, I don't know if that's going to get you into the playing race, but it's 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 honestly a, a big accomplishment for this team, and it's something that I I fully expect them to blow past. I mean, I'm still looking. I think, you know, again with with the own four start, I'm trying not to be too dramatic or to 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 play too much into it, but I think thirty-six to thirty-eight wins at this point is is uh is where we can hope that this team eventually uh ends up landing again that probably gets you the 9 10 seed there's there's maybe a chance that you can slip into an 8 seed if you're more towards that 38 40 win total um but it's going to be tough you know again it, it's it's not going to look pretty for the time being and and it it might it definitely might get worse before it gets better man, that, that kind of took a lot out of me. (laughs) It's, it's, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to like, you know, right now, especially with how bad it's going, it's hard to like, look, look past it. And I understand why, why people are freaking out. Obviously, uh, you know, this is not the start that we wanted, but it's, uh, it's, it's the reality of the NBA is there's a lot of really good teams in this league. and, And there's, it's Darren Fox said it the other day in his post game press conference, um, Good teams are supposed to be good teams. It's supposed to happen. So if the Sacramento Kings team wants to be, you know, they don't have to be in the upper echelon of, of, of the NBA, but if they want to be a real playoff team, they're going to have to beat some teams here that, that is unexpected. And at that point, I think that's when you quiet the noise around, is it time to panic? And um, you just you just got to take it one game at a time, as cliche as that is, and, and uh, take them as they come. All right, I got through that one. First segment in the books. Uh, coming up, we're going to have Brennan Nunez on from the Kings Pulse podcast, also of the Kings Herald, and uh, I'm going to ask him where his panic meter's at. So uh, stay tuned right here. Uh, Kings Weekly, Sacktown Sports 1140. It's Kings Weekly with Chris Watkins. i got to love some Drake. Drake will always, always get me fired up <laughs> to do a segment so that, that's kind of a cheat code here talking with my guy brendan nunez of the king's polls podcast you can read his stuff at the king's herald as well brendan joined us week one for our first episode he is back i'm gonna rely heavily on uh, him and frankie throughout this show so so you you all listening you watching on youtube at our sack at sacktown sports uh youtube channel Come to know Brendan, Brendan and Frankie for sure. Brendan, I talked a lot in that first segment about uh, you know the the panic meter of people around town and and where people are in terms of uh, in terms of their their nervousness for how this season has started so far. We looked at the schedule way before you know when it came out at first, and we we were all talking about how tough it is coming out of the gate. Is this kind of around what you expected? Are you are you a little more nervous than than what you thought you would be? Where where are you sitting right now on, on your panic meter? I don't know if you want to give it a specific number or not, but
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's about expected, and that has me not too worried. You know, like I think someone asked me what I thought about the first ten games coming in, and like to predict a record, right. and I think what, what, like three and seven, and like it, it's a hard beginning of the schedule, yeah. you know, and that's not me being down on the team, like it's just realistically, like, this is an season for the Kings, but relatively to kind of what you talked about in your first segment, doesn't mean that they're a great team in the NBA. Like, I think most nights in the West, they're still not going to be the favored team, and that's fine. And like De'Aaron said, and you pointed out, like, good teams have to beat good teams. So I would have hoped they definitely would have got one of these wins, even like the loss to Portland isn't the most surprising thing, but... I think that they had an opportunity to win pretty much any of these games, really outside of like that Golden State one. And even then, they gave themselves an opportunity. Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong for putting an asterisk on that. But like I feel like they've played really good teams. And I feel like there's more reasons for optimism than what people will realize because right. they get so caught up in just 0-4. But the offense has looked really good. Mm-hmm. And last year, part of the issue was that the year before, there was promise because the offense looked really good. Sure, the defense sucked, but the offense looked solid. Last year, both were bad. So, at very least, there's a strength here right. <laughs> that there's, I don't know existed last year.
0: Right. There's something we can fall back on. And uh, is there is there a point where you think you will start to feel that nerves? Or is it kind of, you know, is and is it a, a play, a style of play kind of thing? Or is it more uh, record-wise for you?
1: I mean, I think if we've noticed that the guys on the team, it was kind of eating at them a little bit, yeah. then I would start to worry. Um and like we talked to, I think we talked to De'Aaron yesterday at practice, right? And, or uh, no, I'm it sorry, Malik. it was Malik, and Malik didn't seem concerned at, not all, at all, which is kind of Malik's personality. Yeah. I would take it, but like, I don't think there's much reason for concern. Coach Brown said after not game four, but game three against Golden State, that like now is not time to overreact, um, and, and I'm kind of with that. I think that there's a decent. The Miami game is going to be hard today. It's going to be tough. That's a long shot that the Kings win it. They're going to have a chance on any given night, I think, um, like I said before. But I think they go into that game at the beginning of the road trip in Charlotte, probably 0-5 with a crazy amount of pressure on that game, and for good reason. Like, if they don't win that Charlotte game and they go down 0-6, I'm going to (laughs) join. I'm going to hop on board of being worried.
0: I feel the exact same way for the exact same reason you just listed. It's like there's going to be so much pressure on that game And if they lose it at that point, that's kind of where it's like, all right, like, to De'Aaron's point, Ah! it's, yes, it's screaming time. It's, you can't, like, good teams, yes, beat good teams, but also, like, if you're not trying to be a good, whatever, good team, even if you're trying to be the 10 seed, you have to win those games against teams that are, you know, I'm going to throw some air quotes, worse than you. Um, And that's honestly been a huge problem for Kings teams in past is that you'll as a Kings fan, you'll look at the schedule and you'll be like, okay, yeah, we should take down Orlando. We should take down OKC. We should take down Detroit because we're quote unquote better than them. And the results and the end of the year standings have always bared it out. We're not better than them. And I think that's hopefully the difference this year is that we are actually a better team. I just used we, I'm sorry. (laughs) The Kings are a better team uh then the charlotte bob i i can't believe i just did the bobcats oh my i'm surprised it better I- be
1: better than the bobcats i'm, I'm surprised it better be yeah, better yeah right than non-existent
0: <laughs> i almost did uh a- i've never done the davion donovan switch Uh-oh. up before i i'm shocked i didn't do that earlier today
1: uh i, I think part ahead. of the concern is that like sure, the Kings are looking at these games as like, these are the games they have to win, right? Right. But I think the other teams that are also like in those lower brackets are looking at the Kings and are like, either they're a really bad team and there's just straight up some unwinnable games, and they're like, oh, this is a chance to get a win. This right. is a possibly winnable game. Or they're also circling, circling it. Like my dad lives in SoCal, and he's talking to me about how people in the Lakers fan base right. are like looking at like game 11 against the Kings as like, oh, maybe this is when yeah. we get our first win. And like their other teams are looking at the Kings the same way we're looking at these teams and being like, this is our chance to get a win. Right. So I think it makes it extra difficult. You have to win those games. Um, and there's going to be nights, obviously, you don't win the games you're supposed to, and nights that you win the games that you're not quote unquote supposed to. Yeah.
0: Something I want to ask you about here, uh, you and I both uh, share a common mind on on how we feel about Mezy Metu. Um, we're not, you know, we, we i I think both you and I were, were really impressed with how he played in Golden State. Um, I think it was Mike Brown's way of of saying telling mezzi like, here's like your opportunity to to prove yourself and, and go show me something. And I think he was really good. I think they, they loved his switchability defensively. Uh, but then on Thursday, he's the first one off the bench. I just kind of want to know, like, w- w- do you feel like that was deserved? Um, and, and what do you feel like the Mike Brown's mentality with that was? Was that just him rewarding Mezzi for, for a good game, which um, I'll get your answer here in a second. But he also did uh, Mike Brown – praise Mezzi. It was the first thing he did after the Golden State game. He, he sat down on his press conference and he said, well, I'm not going to say exactly what he said because he pronounced Mezzi's name wrong, but he, he said, uh, first things first, I just want to give a huge, I mean, essentially a huge shout out to Chimesi Matu who played his tail off tonight and uh, and uh, I think I think he he, he definitely showed me
1: something. Yeah, I think that I was more understanding than it seems like most people of the Mezzi thing, and and I think you're with me, and like you said, it's kind of funny because we're not exactly the biggest fans of mezzi Metu's game, but I really like the idea of Coach Brown rewarding Metu because, honestly, when we talked to him at practice the other day after the Golden State game, he seemed pretty mad. He seemed pretty unhappy, and maybe I'm connecting – dots that I shouldn't but it felt pretty obvious that it was about his role and opportunity right. and that wasn't bluntly said but that's definitely the energy that you get from that um, and anyone that sees that presser like it's very clear that Mezzi is, it was was unhappy that there was something going on there so I like Coach Brown going and rewarding the good play that he saw from Mezzi because Mezzi has his moments and I, I think that yeah, he has his moments of being a productive player there is promise there and if he could come to accept his role and I think there's a world where he's a star in it and I think the reality is that you and I have talked about like Mike wants to take one of Harrison or Keegan off the floor first to have one of those guys mm-hmm. on the floor pretty much at all times yep. so though that was going to be one of the first subs and it's about who do you take who do you put in for that place you need another wing forward I would have gone Terrence Davis um I think Malik Monk is a solid option as well, and sliding Herter down to the three. But I don't hate the Metu thing Mm -hmm. for that one game. If he did it again today, it's an entirely different story. Like, I would freak out, to be honest. Right. But I, I don't hate it because he's rewarding a guy that played well and giving him an opportunity, a guy that seemed unhappy with his minutes, that now... You're not sitting in a situation where the last time that guy played, he played really well, and then he's confused on why he didn't get another opportunity. Right. Now, if Mezzi doesn't play tonight, it's a lot easier to justify to him why that is. Right, and maybe that's like a reason that people don't care about, but I think it's just part of like the human aspect of this.
0: Right. You mentioned Mike Brown staggering, uh, Keegan Murray, and, and Harrison Barnes. Do you feel like, especially with how, I mean bluntly, the poor the bench has played so far this season. Do you expect to see Brown kind of stagger Fox and Sabonis more? It's really, uh, it. I believe in the past two or three games, it's been about eight to ten minutes a game where, where both of them aren't on the floor. Are, are you surprised by that?
1: Kind of. Um, yes, initially surprised by it. Like I came into the year thinking that they would stagger, but I kind of asked Mike a little bit, and he definitely gave the impression going into the year that like I don't feel like we need to do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like this team is deep enough which was a theme yesterday, too. I think James Ham asked him if he would lower his rotation. He said, no, I'm probably still going to keep it deep. Like, he believes right. in the depth of the rotation. Um, and offensively, the team has been fine. Right. And neither one of those guys are difference makers defensively. Like, De'Aaron's been one of the better defenders on the team, actually, this mm-hmm. year. But Davion is still an admitted upgrade over him. Um, and Sabonis is, is not a great defender, even though he's probably better than Rashawn. Like. I think that there, I I wouldn't mind the staggering, but I also get why like maybe the offense hasn't been the issue, and that's where, in my mind, like staggering is a plus there.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, Mike Brown going going deep on his bench the other day uh, against Memphis. He went 12 deep in the first first half. Uh, The 12th was Alex Len who came in for Sabonis because of foul trouble, but uh, nonetheless, he, he he went deep into his bench looking for an answer. Did anybody stick out? Did anybody surprise you, or, or do you feel like anyone earned some more opportunity?
1: I don't think anybody earned more opportunity <laughs> off that bench. Uh, there might have been some guys who earned themselves yeah. less. Um, Kings bench at the I think they had five points going into halftime. They did end of the day, they have twenty seven points on nine of twenty two, and then Memphis's bench has forty five on eighteen of twenty nine. Like mm. they just got cooked, and right. it was defensively mainly, like. To be blunt, I'm not, I hate calling people out, right? but Malik Monk, <laughs> Rashawn Holmes have been very, very bad yeah. on defense. Davion Mitchell has been really bad on offense, and Chimezie Metu, I don't know what to expect on a night-to-night basis. Chima Moneki, I don't know what to expect night-to-night basis. Terrence Davis has been solid on offense, but sometimes he's a little erratic there, mm-hmm. and defensively um, it is probably about the same definition there for what I said for his offense, like, There's just nobody on this bench that you know what you're getting every single night. Like Rashawn, I mean, Malik Monk is the closest, and it should be Rashawn Holmes and Davion Mitchell, but it feels like Davion's trying a little too hard on offense. Maybe he's just not comfortable and, like, trusting in the offensive system they are trying to instill. And Malik Monk's just a little crazy in the way that he plays basketball (laughs) in general. He makes and takes tough shots, so that's what you're going to get night to night, I guess. But, like, who's the guy that you feel best about on this bench? Like, am I crazy for thinking Terrence Davis?
0: I mean TD for sure. I think has been the most consistent through four games. Malik, I've loved what Malik has shown us in the past two games. Coming off the bench, he's he's been a great uh, secondary ball handler. I think behind Fox, where you said Dave, Davion has really struggled offensively. I think uh, Malik has really helped a little with with at least the setting people up. Um, yeah, I mean there <laughs> there really hasn't been much positive off the bench though. I mean especially in terms of consistency. I agree. I think TD probably has been. Uh, their best bench player this year, which was unexpected because there was questions on whether TD was, was going to even be able to crack the rotation with how with how deep they were on, on, on paper. Um, so that's damn, that's that's super interesting, uh, do, something I didn't think about. Do you about. think
1: KZ should have played? Do you think KZ Akpala should play?
0: Right. It's tough for him to go from starting, and I guess this is kind of where this does starting right. really matter thing come up because... Even when he started, I believe, against Golden State, he only played four minutes. Right. So, you know, if you're already getting four minutes, you're pretty much out of the rotation at that point. I, I would like to see it. I mean, when, when Brown throws out 12 guys, again, I don't I don't know if... I, I'd be interested to see what KZ can do. Obviously, he's kind of falling into... You, you kind of pointed at it, how it seems like the entire bench is one or the other, offense or all defense. And KZ definitely his bucket is pretty full on defense and uh, definitely leaves a lot to be inspired on offense. But it's kind of tough because this is the same exact situation we found ourselves in last year with Mo Harkless, where it's like we feel like this guy has to play, not has to play, but has uh, something that he can bring to this team. But his offense is just, it's not, he doesn't create for himself. And I think that's, that's the biggest problem kind of universally, um, with a lot of the players on the Kings right now, is nobody's been able to create their own offense. Uh, so if you throw KZ out there, sure, but with how the bench has played so far, I don't, I don't know if you can really, I don't want to say stand to have him out there, but I think him playing with the starters made the most sense because it was kind of like a the off to your point before the offense is taken care of. We don't really need uh, much help from you offensively where we do need is for you to to guard Damian Lillard like he did night one. Um he they put him on Paul George in that second game and I again I think they they played good defense against Paul George. He was just on a mission that night. Um I would be I wouldn't be surprised if K Z found his way back into the rotation here soon, but it might be kind of like what we're talking about with Mezzi, where it's like, all right, here's here's your chance to to show me the opportunity to earn uh, a, a spot in this rotation can can you can you live up to it and can you play well and it's it's somebody that Mike Brown has definitely been high on uh throughout this this early part of the season for sure um but but you know it, it it's interesting to me that yeah he goes straight from starting having a prominent role to 0 minutes which is uh which is not common uh i i got to get you get you out of here on this Keegan Murray was was probably the story of the week uh, got his first NBA game in, and then quickly followed it up with uh, with getting his first start the other day against Memphis. How I mean, first off, are are you surprised with how well Keegan Murray has just played straight off the bat?
1: Definitely am. I mean, nineteen, sixteen, eighteen in the three games that he played, and he's ridiculously efficient every game. You know, fifty one percent from the field, forty one percent from three the lowest amount of threes he shot in a game was six and then he's got eight and ten like he's kind of everything you ever wanted from HB right to be honest (laughs) um and I I think that Keegan's been great like I've been a little up and down with how to feel about like how it's changed based on like my initial evaluation of him coming out of Iowa because at first I was like man I think he's been a lot better and then looking at it a little bit more it's like okay well he's not creating for himself at all really like that's not a knock on on Keegan like he's been playing great. I'm not trying to downplay it at all or anything, but like it's somewhat what it was expected. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's been better defensively for sure. Right. Offensively, um it's nice to like get confirmation that okay, he definitely was the most NBA ready player in the draft. Um, he's ready to come in and fill a role right away. Defensively, I've been super impressed. Like I think he was their best option on Paul George, yep. which is crazy. Shocked me. Also says a lot about the other options on the roster. Like Keegan is a Solid option. He's passable, um, but they don't have a good option necessarily. Right. right. And like, there's a chance that when we're talking about tonight, like, that maybe he's on some bigger guys like a Bam Adebayo in a switch. But mm-hmm. then you also can feel okay with him switching onto a Jimmy Butler. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel terrible about that matchup. Like, Jimmy's gonna probably draw fouls and right. just pick on a rookie in a typical way, like Jimmy Butler would do. But I've been really impressed with him defensively. I think the offense has been somewhat as expected, but it's like nice to get that confirmation of okay, he he was ready to contribute at that level right now.
0: Right, and I I definitely did not expect that at all. That's he, he's been an absolute. Like I think you and you and I sit next to each other uh, for all the games, and so we're able to to kind of chit chat and throw points at each other uh, throughout the game. And the thing that both you and I have said is. It's he's already at the point where you're surprised when it doesn't go in, which is just like it's insane to think for me to think about, especially with, you know, I wasn't the highest on Keegan Murray coming out of the draft. But um, for me to feel that way already after three games, like it's I cannot remember a time when I felt this confident about a Kings player. I think there's actually
1: a question of like, is he the best shooter on the team? And Malik no, so. and Herter are really, really good shooters, Monk and Herter. But it just, like, speaks to Keegan shooting like you're talking about. like Three games in. If I have to bet on someone to hit a wide open catch-and-shoot corner three at the end of the game, like, I'm pretty sure I'm betting I'm on Keegan. Keegan. I'm betting like, on Keegan. Which is crazy. He's played three games. Three games. Like,
0: yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Incredibly, incredibly impressive stuff from the rookie. Uh, Brendan, I'm going to get you out of here on this. When does this team get their first win?
1: I think it could be tonight, um, but I'm going with with Charlotte. I I think that it's just hard for me to bet against uh, a team like the Heat when it comes to the issues have been like the details, 50-50 balls, rebounding, um, not falling asleep in transition defense. Like It sounds like all the Kings' weaknesses are all the things that the Heat do well every single year, and that's why they overperform expectations every year. So I think they'll totally have a chance to win tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if it was tonight against Miami, mm-hmm. but I guess I'm going to take the safe bet and go with their next game, start of the road trip in Charlotte.
0: I like it. I like it. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks you will definitely, me. definitely be back sooner rather than later. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the, uh, the bright spots from, from the season so far.
1: From the draft, to free agency, to the summer league, to the games that matter the most.
0: It's good, and it's pandemonium at Golden One Center.
1: When it comes to the Kings, nobody has you covered
0: like Sactown Sports. your local sports leader. More Drake. Please, more Drake. Always. Segment number three on Kings Weekly. I am Chris Watkins. You can check us out. Every Saturday right here on Sacktown Sports 1140, 1140 AM uh, on your radio dials. We are doing this from 11 to noon. You can also check us out on the Sacktown Sports 1140 YouTube page. Uh, you can also check us out at SacktownSports.com. Listen live. Uh, that's just audio, though. I'll take I'll take all the views I can get. So, so uh, any of those, if you want to do all of them, all three at once, That'd probably be most ideal, but uh, yeah. If thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. And we're going to talk about some positives here because uh, you know, even with the zero four start to the season, the Kings have had two really big bright spots so far, and, and they've they've obviously they've been obvious. It's it's De'Aaron Fox and it's Keegan Murray. Uh, but but first, let's start with Fox, who had a lot of pressure coming into this season. You know, De'Aaron caught a lot of flack for, for last year. Definitely came out the gates slow. I think the first month of the season he was he was averaging like 18 points a game uh, in, in like mid to low 40s from the field. Uh, just didn't look like himself at all. And then obviously we know after the Tyrese Halliburton trade, De'Aaron kind of found his game, finished off the season incredibly strong. And from a national media perspective, uh, all offseason, all you were really hearing was, was about the tale of the two halves of the season from De'Aaron Fox, and which one was he more? Was he, uh, you know, that eighteen point a game guy who who couldn't really figure out how to play with somebody else, play off ball, uh, have another superstar on the team, or was he the twenty nine point a game guy uh, who who looked incredible and and uh, is kind of the guy that we're seeing right now? De'Aaron is averaging over thirty points a game. Uh, he's one of Four people in the NBA right now averaging thirty plus points, five plus assists, and five plus rebounds. Uh, The other guys who are who are doing that right now, maybe you've heard of them: uh, Stephen Wardell, Stephen Curry, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and uh, should be Sacramento Kings legend Luka Doncic are the other three players who are who are putting up those kind of numbers. So De'Aaron offensively has just been spectacular, doing things, uh, doing just about everything on offense. Um, and has again, just, just, just been amazing. I mean, uh, Mike Brown, this is now the third coach in a row who is referred to De'Aaron Fox almost, it seems like exclusively as head of the snake, uh, De'Aaron Fox or De'Aaron Fox head of the snake. It should definitely like be in his legal name because, uh, every time they bring up De'Aaron Fox, they mention he is the head of the snake. This team does go as far as De'Aaron Fox will take them. Uh, and and honestly, the the rest of the team has kind of let him down because, again, he has just been absolutely phenomenal to start the season. Uh, he is seventh right now in usage percentage, which is just kind of a basic uh, stat that will tell you how often somebody is, is having the ball uh, when the team is on offense, has the ball in their hand. Uh, so while he is in the upper portion of the league in, in that stat. He's also eighth in the league right now in offensive efficiency, which is like uh, per 100 uh, possessions kind of stat. So he, he's uh, eighth in the league in offensive efficiency. His his shooting splits are incredible right now. He's shooting 59% from the field, which is top in the NBA amongst guards. Uh, everybody else above him is a big man who's getting all their points uh, directly in the paint. And De'Aaron is not known as a shooter. He, that has not stopped him at all from, from getting to the rim and finishing uh, at a very, very high level. I mean, 59% is, is absolutely insane. And then especially when you throw on, he's shooting 42% from three on six and a half attempts. This is De'Aaron Fox. We're talking about 42% on six and a half threes. And again, I know we're four games in uh, it's a small sample size, but, what that tells me is, right now, we are seeing the most optimal version of De'Aaron Fox. This is the guy. Like, forty-two percent is out of the question almost for even if you're going to say like, "Oh, what's De'Aaron going to shoot from three this year?" You're even De'Aaron. I think the other day uh, on the Draymond Green podcast, he was a guest. He mentioned how how a three-point shot would open up his game. Even he said, "If I can get around thirty-five percent from three, that will make teams." Uh, kind of guard me different differently. Add another layer that they have to think about in his game to how they're going to defend him. And for him to be at forty-two percent, what that's going to do and what it has done for his game is just open it wide up. I mean, he's he's pretty much impossible to defend if he's going to be hitting threes even near a forty-two percent mark. I mean, if he can come down to thirty-six, thirty-seven percent, we're going to see a guy who is a real problem on a night-to-night basis. But it's not just offensively he's doing it; it's also on the defensive end. And Brennan Nunez did did uh, mention that a little bit when we when we talked last segment. Fox has his relationship with defense is is funny. Uh, he's always shown up against the big matchups, the John Morants, uh, the you know whatever whoever whoever else you want to throw there. Him and Russell Westbrook have always gone back and forth. Um, he's always stepped up defensively when when needed, but. He's eighth right now in the NBA in deflections per game at four and a half. And deflections, it's not one of those typical traditional box score stats. You're never going to see it unless you really, unless you're like me and you, you do the research. Um, you're, you're not going to see a lot of people talk about deflections, but the reason why it's so big, and I know uh, even Luke Walton had a specific coach that would tally deflections. Like it's a thing that every coach is cognizant of and wants from his team. Uh, it it's huge. The reason why it's so big is you know it, it's pretty much how often you're disrupting play in a game. It's it's playing the passing lanes, which De'Aaron has been excellent at this year. It's someone's driving, you get a hand in the cookie jar and knock it loose. Deflections are huge. It's 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 again, it's just disrupting the other team's offense, and De'Aaron has been great at that. I don't think he's ever going to be the kind of on ball defender that like Davion Mitchell is. But but in the passing lanes, using his speed, that's where De'Aaron can really get an advantage uh, on defense. And he has just been absolutely spectacular. The other one who has been absolutely amazing has been Keegan Murray. And again, I talked with Brendan about it last segment. He's been a huge bright spot. The fact that he's already an absolute bucket and, and every time he shoots it, you think it's going in. Uh, you know, uh, you always hear great shooters talk about how you can tell somebody's a really great shooter because they don't miss left or right; it's always front or back rim, and that's Keegan Murray every time. It's a it's an arrow directly at the rim, and it's just a matter of if he shot it too hard or he shot it too soft. And, and most of the time, it's been absolute uh, absolute butter, as I believe uh, Mark Jones likes to say. Uh, Keegan has come out the gates hot. I mean, he he's at thirty six point seven minutes per game, which is tops amongst rookies. Uh, and for for Mike Brown to to just have that kind of blind trust in Keegan is is pretty insane. He's leading the team in minutes uh, in his three games. So the the amount of trust that again Mike already feels with Keegan, I think every lineup is enhanced with Keegan Murray in it. He he's 14th in the NBA total in minutes. Uh, you know, in terms of points, he's been putting them up. At a crazy level, he's already at 17 a game, which is third amongst rookies behind Paolo Bancaro, who is just absolutely insane. If We're going to see Paolo Bancaro here in a couple days. Uh, Paolo Bancaro has scored 20 points in all six of his NBA games so far, so that guy's a problem. That's good, probably going to be the guy that Keegan's chasing for the for the majority of the year. He's also behind Benedict Matherin. He's first in the NBA uh, in three point or amongst rookies and three point attempts already putting up and Brendan mentioned it eight threes a game shooting 42% or 41% from three. I mean, that's, that's just, that's elite stuff. And please, 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 please sign me up for, can I have 13 more years at least of, of Keegan Murray taking eight threes and shooting 40%. I will gladly sign up for that, please. I love it. Um, and, and that's those, those two guys. I mean, if, if they can get, you know, it's not Demonis Sabonis. I think had had a good game against against the Warriors. It's not like, you know, other people haven't played well uh, for this team, but it's it's the consistency, and I think that's again part of what Mike Brown was searching for in when he went twelve deep the other day in the first half is just trying to find somebody that he can that he can rely on on a night to night basis, and and so far Fox. And Murray have been those guys. I'd like to see Domas get into that crew. Harrison Barnes finally had a good game against Memphis the other day. We've seen Rashawn Holmes had a good game against against the Warriors again. Uh, Malik Monk has put together a couple games. But it's just about getting all of these guys all on the same page. The Kings have not had one game this year where all, we'll say, nine rotation guys have all played well on the same day. So, That's definitely something to look forward to. Brendan mentioned tonight's or tonight. Today is a tough game against Miami. I expect it to be a tough one. I hope that they can split uh, these, you know, two of three games with Miami. Again, I'm with Brendan. I think the first win is, is on the horizon. I feel like they're going to get it against, against the Hornets, if not against the heat. So it's all right. It's time to breathe. We can all breathe now. Let the games play. We'll panic when it's time to panic. But for now, Let's just try and watch, enjoy, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully get our first win. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned in. Thank you, Kyle, on the other side of the glass. Thank you, Brendan, for joining me. My name is Chris Watkins. We will have Kings uh, game night at twelve thirty. So uh, stay right, stay tuned right here to Sacktown Sports. Eleven actually at one thirty. I'm sorry, at one thirty we'll have game night. Uh, so be sure to stay locked in right here on Sacktown Sports. Eleven forty. This has been Chris Watkins on Kings Weekly. Sacktown Sports 11:40 is broadcasting live on YouTube. To me, it's, it's a most watch Check out the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross and the Cattles and Rami Show. Plus, get exclusive content. Search Sacktown Sports 11:40 on YouTube.